ones deserving of uh, praise. <clears throat> it's godly mothers. We're going to speak about one of those this morning. As uh, most of you know, for some time now, I've been in the process of preaching a series of messages about hearing God. And uh, as I've mentioned before, that could have gone on for much longer than what I intended. But originally I thought, well, I'll, I'll end the series by speaking about, uh, about the story of Samuel. And uh, that, that was my plan. And next week, by the way, that I'll be preaching about him. But uh, at the time, I didn't realize that uh, Mother's Day was today. Now, you got to understand, this was a few months ago when I was putting all of this together. And so I thought, well, I'll preach a regular Mother's Day sermon. And then it dawned on me, how can I preach about Samuel without preaching about his mother? And it might be that some are here today that, that have never really studied and considered the significance of her role in his life. And if any woman ever lived that's deserving of praise, it's the woman we're going to be talking about today. So with that in mind, turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I will remind you that uh, Brother Mike Wassell is going to be putting up an outline as we go outline. You'll not get it all at one time, but as we go, and we'll give you the title and the text and everything and in just uh, a, a little bit, but uh, uh, at the end of the day, the end of the message, I hope won't be all day, but uh, you'll see what a, what a wonderful, magnificent mother Hannah was. That's the title of the message this morning, A Magnificent Mother. You know, Every, every parent should have the desire to raise children that will listen, learn, and live for the Lord. That ought to be the desire of our heart, that, you know, that they'll listen, that they'll learn, and then they will live for the Lord. Well, in today's message, I'll give you proof that, that Hannah had heard and heeded what God said. She was a woman willing to listen to God. And all of a sudden we find that God using her as a vessel to bring a baby into this world by the name of Samuel, who was to be the, the leader, you could call the hero of the nation of Israel. One of the greatest leaders who ever lived, and yet... In this day and time, we seldom ever hear people speak of him uh, in that vein, but, but it's true. And I can't talk about his greatness without speaking about his mother's goodness, her godliness. But it doesn't, doesn't begin on a high note, because here in chapter 1, we can't read all of the verses, but here is the picture of a woman with a painful problem in the first eight verses here. It was a man by the name of Elkanah in verse number one. Verse two says, and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah, and Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. 
And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and the priest of the Lord were there. And when the time, time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paniah his wife and to all of her sons and all of her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. If we don't see anything else in this story, we learn here that God can do great things even when though the circumstances are less than ideal. And so many times we let our problems blind us to the possibilities. And that could have happened here to a lesser woman. I feel that it would have happened. But here, as bad as it was, and, and you talk about a problem. Here's a woman that had not just one problem, but several. Look in verse 2 here. The first problem is that she was one of two wives. You know, being a wife is tough enough. But boy, that would make it a whole lot more difficult. It shouldn't have been that way, by the way. Polygamy, you know, was often practiced in the Old Testament times, but it certainly wasn't approved of by God. It was something that was wrong because from the very beginning, God's plan was one man for one woman for life. And so here is Hannah, who is a victim of her husband's sin. A victim of her husband's sin. Now, notice that she's mentioned first. And so I can't prove it, but in all likelihood, she was the first wife. She's mentioned first. That would have been the pattern that we find throughout the Bible. She's mentioned, and so she is the first wife. But now he takes a second wife. And try to imagine the friction that would have been in that home. Picture yourself in her shoes, looking into the face of that other woman every morning. Uh, you know, most of them would have said, I'm not putting up with this. I'm out of here. You want her, you got her, I'm gone. But here is a woman who is determined that she's going to do what she believes is what God wants, regardless of these horrible circumstances. But not only is she the one wife of two, notice verse 5, she's childish. Now that, that wouldn't matter to some today, would it? That wouldn't bother a lot. We, we've got a lot of folks today, you know, that they, they'll come right and tell you, we don't want any kids. They, they just get in the way of our career. We don't want any kids. It's just too much trouble. But in those days and throughout the Bible and from the Word of God, we find that children, children are a gift from God. They're, children are a token of God's love and evidence of God's blessings. And that... That's the way we ought to look on children today, not as something that's just going to create a lot of problems for us, but rather to look upon them as being a blessing that God has sent, a token of God's favor. So here she is, one of two wives. She doesn't have any children, which was a big deal back then, considering the way they looked upon children. But in verse 6 and 7, notice she was mocked. 
the other wife wasn't content with just, you know, going on like everything was. It says she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. As though things were not bad enough. Here I'm married to this guy. He has two wives. I can't have any children. And here she is mocking me every day. I get up and it's just ha, 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 in your face kind of a mockery. Now look at verse 8 here. This adds to the problem. It, I mean, it just keep piling on. In verse number 8, we see that her husband was unsympathetic. She expressed her desire for children and then said to Elkamah, her husband, to her. When somebody said, whispered to someone else, he said it to her. Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? I couldn't think of anything to say other than what a jerk. I, 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 it's hard to imagine someone that cold-hearted, that indifferent toward his wife. I mean, look, why are you crying? Just, you know, I'm better than if you had ten children. Well, that's what you can expect from a man stupid enough to have two wives, right? I mean, if he's that dumb, he's liable to—he's liable to do anything. So here is a woman living day after day and year after year in these conditions. But in verse nine, on through verse sixteen, we see her persistent prayer. She couldn't change anything, but she believed in God who could. Verse nine. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after. They had drunk, doesn't mean they were drunk, but they had, they had drink of what they were drinking, not an alcoholic. And Eli, the, the priest, sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give, will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then will I will give him unto the Lord all of the days of his life, and there shall not a razor come upon his head. And here's old Eli the priest sitting there, and he's watching her, her mouth is moving. He's one of those, I guess, that thinks it's, it's got to be outspoken and verbal for a prayer to be real. And he accuses her of, of being intoxicated. Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away the wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I... I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, and I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. Good advice. But it poured out my soul before the Lord. Here's a woman that just absolutely will not give up in her persistent prayer. She's already been praying about this. She continues to pray about it. Now, even in the presence of Eli, the priest and... Uh, and this is all in the face of her difficulties. 
You know, she could have gotten bitter. A lot of folks do. I'm talking about being bitter at God even. Lord, why is it that you allowed all of this to happen? And I have no children. And my rival, why she just mocks me every day. And so she persists in prayer. You know, that reminds me of some. It reminds me of Rachel. She said, give me children or I die. In other words, she was saying, I, I don't live without children. That's how important children were. It reminds me also of Jacob who said, I'll not let thee go except thou bless me. Remember, he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And he said, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to settle for anything else except your blessing. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Hannah persisted in prayer because she knew that there was power in prayer. She couldn't change the situation. Her husband wouldn't change the situation. It's all out of hand and now the priest is accusing her of being a drunk. And she just keeps praying. Look at verse 11 again. And here we see her passionate pledge. She's, she doesn't just, just pray and say, Lord, you know, if, you, if you'd really like to do this, you know, it'd be all right with me. She's pleading passionately and notice, and she bowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all of the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. In other words, he'll be a, a, a Nazarene, Nazarite and, and dedicated for life unto the service of the Lord. And the sign of that was never cutting his hair. She said, Lord, I promise you, this is my pledge to you. You know, I suspect that every mother here can feel the full impact of what's going on here. It tells us she's not motivated by selfishness. She's not saying, Lord, if you'll give me, if you'll give me a, a son, I'll do everything I can to make him the president. I'll do everything I can, you know, to... Uh, to lead him in the direction that he can become a professional baseball player. He'll be rich and he'll be famous, Lord. I, she didn't say, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll shelter him there. I'll, I'll spoil him. I'll just give him everything that he wants and make sure he's protected. She said, Lord, you give me a son, I'll turn around and I'll give him right back to you. That tells me she wanted more than a son. She wanted a sense of purpose in life. Something that really mattered. Something that she believed could be found only in a son. She wanted her life to count for something that, that she's willing to give up. Willing to be a vessel of, for God to use. Willing to have a son that she'll give back to him by way 
of a contribution, as it were, to God and to his cause on earth. Remember, she's not saying, I'll just, uh, you know, if you give me a son, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just let him hang out there around with Eli the priest and so forth. And uh, no, he said, I'll give him back to you. going to become apparent later that's a whole lot more to this than what we realize so far in this story. She wants a son. She doesn't want him just for herself. By the way, it ended up later on. Later on she had, I believe it was five others after that. She wants a son, but it's not for a selfish purpose at all. Verse 17, here's her precious promise that that she receives. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Verse 18, and she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. And so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Hannah continued to pray until she received assurance that God was going to answer her prayer. And notice this, she never allowed her circumstances, which were bad, to cause her to waver. You you don't find her anywhere here saying, I've got to go back to that house and back to that man and back with that woman. She started eating again. Her countenance totally was transformed. She was determined that she's going to continue to pray until the answer came. The old timers used to talk about praying through. And a lot of folks have misused that phrase, by the way. There's some that believe you have to pray through in order to get saved. It's one of the problems with our dear free will Baptist friends, at, at least the ones I, I know from Missouri, that, man, you've got to pray through, and if you can't get through, a bunch of them will come up here and beat you on the back and shout in your ear and help you get through. That's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about praying through, I'm doing so as, it, as that phrase was used hundreds of years ago, and that is praying until there is an assurance in your heart that it's going to be okay one way or the other, that God has this. And it's going to be all right. And she just kept praying. And finally, Eli, the priest, says, Hey, aren't you glad that sometimes you can just give someone a word of encouragement? This wasn't just someone. This is the high priest. And he says, it's going to be all right. God's heard your prayer. God's going to answer your prayer. And she leaves there with peace in her heart. What? What a great example for all of us, the fact that we can rely upon God to do what he, what he promised. And that's where the peace comes from. Sometimes, you know, people talk about, well, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed about it, and it doesn't seem to do any good. Prayer doesn't change anything. It'll change you. Amen. It'll change you. And prayer's not all about you getting what you want from God. Prayer's all about you willing to accept whatever God wisely provides. 
Now in verse 19, I wish I had time to read all of these verses. It's Mother's Day and you don't want to be here till 2 o'clock. The beginning there, on through verse 28, we see her personal piety. I'm talking about her holiness, her personal piety. That here is a woman that didn't just talk a good game, but a woman that lived a godly life. She did what she promised. God gave her the child. When the child was weaned, that would have been somewhere in those days, two to three years old. It could be even a little older than that. That's just the way it was back then. And whenever it happened, in verse number 19, I believe it is, she goes back and she says, rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah knew his wife and the Lord remembered her and it came to pass when the time was come after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel because I have asked him of the Lord. And then it speaks about this period of waiting until the child has been weaned and goes on verse 28, therefore I've lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. She took that child back to the priest and said, here, I'm the woman that you thought was intoxicated. I'm the woman that was praying for a son. I'm the woman that you gave some assurance that it, it was going to happen. And God answered the prayer. And I'm, I'm going to keep up my, my end of the bargain. I made a vow unto the Lord, and I'm going to keep it. I, I want you to notice why, and, and we get to the important part of this story. It's all important. We need to understand what's really going on here. Why this is such a, a big deal. And boy, if we ever needed more mothers like Hannah, it's in this day and age. But beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, we see the, her prayer of praise. I call this Hannah's hymn of happiness. That's just the way it looks to me. And it's a profound proclamation of praise from this woman. And the more you study it, the more amazing it becomes. It, remind, it reminds me of Mary's song over in Luke chapter number one. And here in this song, you'll see that she knew much more about God than some so-called theologians do. And it deserves a sermon all to itself. But I just want you to it to hit the highlights here. Understand the situation that existed, this crucial time in history. I remember years ago, I made a quote from H.I. Hester, who was a professor up in the Kansas City area. And later on, I learned that that uh, Brother Hester had been Diane Weisenbaker's, uh, her, her father's professor when he was in college there. Uh, he wrote a book on the Old Testament and a book on the New Testament. I have both of them. But I mention that because he speaks about what a crucial time this was in the history 
of Israel and their need for a hero, someone to step up, someone to guide that nation. And you see, Hannah's looking for a son, but God's looking for a servant. And here's the way Brother Hester described Israel at that time. He said it was a group of scattered, unorganized tribes having but little connection with each other, living almost as separate people. The transition from the dark and the chaotic days of the judges to the glorious area of the kings was, was not a sudden nor an accidental one. It came gradually and was affected largely through the life and influence of one man, Samuel. We'll talk about Samuel next week, Lord willing. How that God used this man at this critical time in their history. Remember his mention there of the time of the judges. That's back when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It was just, it was just ups and downs all through that period of history. You know, they'd be burdened down and get things right with God and God would bless them and then they'd turn around and turn away from God and turn back to the things of the world. And I want you to see that here is a mother, talking about Hannah, who is attuned to God's will. It doesn't speak about her listening to God in those strict terms. But she knew exactly what was going on. She understood God's will. She understood man's need and God's provision for it. And here in this song, the first two verses, you can just follow along. I'm not going to read all of them, but the first part, she starts out by exalting God. Even the Lord taught us in the pattern prayer. What? You start with what? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That, that's, that's the beginning point. Here is a woman that had it together in more ways than we can imagine, but then in verse 3, 4, and 5, she warns the wicked. Aren't you glad for mothers that, you know, not only are loving and kind, but they know how to give a stern warning too? I remember so many times my kids commenting on that mother's look. Now, it went beyond that if, if they did, but that look usually got their attention, and if not, I've seen her more than one time, get them by the arm, march them out the door, and give them a spanking, bring them back in, and set them down. Well, here is a nation of people that is in need of listening to God, a nation of people in need of a warning, and of all people, here is a, a woman Warning the wicked, those that are proud. In verse 6 on down through verse 10, she sings about God's sovereignty. By sovereignty, simply talking about God who having all authority does exactly what he chooses to do. And we can't understand it. We don't understand. That's why we keep asking that why question. Why this? Why me? Why now? We can't understand. God is sovereign. That's why I keep saying there's no accidents with God. If God, doesn't, if God doesn't cause it, then God allows it. One of the two, but God's involved in it. 
Always. And she understands that better than, better than anyone. And notice what she says, verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto the king and exalt the holy of his anointed. Keep in mind what I just said about the times in which she lived. And the key to all of this is the first verse of chapter number 3 where it makes this statement. It says, the word of the Lord was precious. That, it was, oh, how sweet, how one. No, no, no. It's, it's something that is scarce. That word precious there means scarce. The word of the Lord was scarce in those days. There was no open vision. Now, do you see why Hannah is praying for a son? There, they couldn't find any men. There were no men. These were desperate days when everything was changing and Israel needed someone that, that was willing to hear from God and somebody that could speak for God because nobody else was. And it's evident here that Hannah knew what the situation was. I can't help but wonder, why didn't her husband wake up to that? Why didn't Eli wake up to that? Somebody. We're not hearing from God. We, we just, there is no, no real prophetic utterance going on anymore. We're not getting any message from God. We, walking in the dark with blinders on. We need someone. And of all people, Hannah, a woman, is the one that recognizes that and is crying out for a son. Said, you give me a son and what? I'll give him right back to you. She asked God to use her to bring forth a man, the kind of man that was needed so there would be a word from the Lord spoken. There would be a vision, so to speak. There would be for that nation, somebody to lead them and to direct them. Now look back at verse number 10. And this is the most shocking part of it all. Because here in the very last part of the verse, the last word, we see Hannah. Don't miss this. Hannah, the first person in all of the Bible to ever use that word anointed in reference to Christ. You see, the word Messiah speaks of Christ. It means what? Anointed. Hannah is looking beyond the kings like David and Solomon that were to come. There is a sense in which she was speaking perhaps of a coming king like David. Boy, you just read through that song and it's obvious she is speaking prophetically of Christ. He is the anointed and the first person in all of the Bible, in all of history to ever point that out was what? It was a woman by the name of Hannah. A woman who knew the Lord and knew that others needed the Lord. This is, this is a prophecy concerning Christ. 
That tells me that she knew that the ultimate solution to all of man's problems was not just to get a better king than Saul. The ultimate solution was what? Christ, the anointed one. And it was the divine wisdom. Think back. It was out of God's divine wisdom that he said, I'm going to use her son. Wait a minute. That other wife had, she already had six, I think it was. She already had a bunch of sons running around there. Why was it that God didn't say, I'll take one of them? He could have said to Elkanah, he could have said, I want that one right there. I'm, you know. You see, God chose Samuel based on the fact that Hannah is the one that had intervened here. He needed a mother like that. If he's going to become the kind of man that God can use, he needed a mother like Hannah that will not give up, that will not complain about all of her bad circumstances, but hangs on to the promises of God that, that fulfills all of the commitments that, that she's made to the Lord. Now I realize that Mary was used of a different way of the Lord than any other woman has ever been used. And I realize that God's plan for Hannah is different than it is for anybody else here. But I want you to understand today that mom, listen, young ladies, listen, God, the same God who gave her a son to guide that nation, the same God, who used a woman that prophesied of the coming of the Messiah, has a plan for your life. And let me tell you, a big part of that plan has to do with the children that he has given you and the way that you raise them and the things that you do. Who can find a virtuous woman? Oh, I wish I could find that picture. I got a picture from a Famous artist, artist, I bought Bev a couple of them and virtuous one, the price far above rubies. You, you can't put a price on the value of a godly woman. And boy, if anybody in all of the world deserves not just a Mother's Day, but if, if anybody deserves our full attention and our love and and devotion, it's godly mothers. I can't imagine a tougher job than being the kind of mother that God would have you to be. Be sure today that you let your mother know, not, not just that you love her, but you appreciate all that she's done throughout these many years. And by the way, even if you don't get that praise, from your children. Mark it down. I can prove to you from the Bible. God says that day's coming. You'll get it. Amen. You will get it. Amen. The praise that you deserve. Is going to be coming from the Lord himself. Amen. In that day. 
Meanwhile, we just got to tough it out and live with circumstances like, like Hannah did. But I think all of us ought to be encouraged today to be mindful that going back through history, that we find that God has prepared and provided what we need more than anything else, and that is a Savior, the Anointed One. The one that will redeem our wretched soul from a devil's hell. The one that will forgive us of all of our sins. The one that will prepare for us a place for all of eternity. And if you're here today and you've never received the Christ that Hannah was talking about, if you've never received Him as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that this morning. The very fact that you can do it all of or to thrill your heart. Amen. That you have the possibility of becoming a child of God by simple childlike faith, just trusting in Him. I'm hoping and praying that you'll do that this morning. Let's all stand together, Brother David and the musicians are going to come. We're going to have this time of invitation. Brother Kenneth will be here to greet you if God's speaking to your heart. It might not be related to salvation. It might be something else that God has been speaking to you about. Would it not have been terrible if Hannah would have just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to live with this situation like it is. I, 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 you know, as long as I got food to eat and a roof over my head and we go up, you know, to... Shiloh, to, we go up to worship every now and then like we're supposed to. Everything will be all right. No, no, listen, she knew there was more to life than that. And it might be God speaking to your heart today about being that kind of a person, not just a woman, but that.